How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Brian Gillette. Brian is a former human resources executive, an ultra-distance athlete, and the founder of Summiting Group, a consulting firm that helps leaders and teams reach their peak performance from startups to Fortune 500 companies. As an athlete, he's cycled around the U.S., completed a 300-mile ride in one day, and finished 100-mile ultra-distance runs. He's the author of Epic Performance, Lessons from 100 Executives and Endurance Athletes on Reaching Your Peak on Sale Now. Thanks so much for joining me today, Brian. Uh, Diane, it's nice to be on your show. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So um, I, I, besides the fact that I am like totally in awe of a 300-mile ride in one day um, and everything else that you've accomplished, <laughs> I'm especially interested in this um, epic performance framework, and I'm wondering if you can, you know, shed some light on that, walk us through, you know, some of the steps. Yeah, I'd be more than happy. I mean, epic performance. So what epic stands for is the E in epic is how do you envision the big things in life that you want to accomplish, whether it's in life, whether it's in your career, whether it's with the business teams you're working with, you've got to be able to see that future. You've got to be able to kind of know what your values are and your purpose is, envision it. And then once you can envision it, how do you then put the plan in place? That's the P of epic. So what do you need to do to get started? Started? How do you develop that plan to move you forward? And then the I is how do you iterate on that plan? How do you how do you practice with intention? How are you evaluating the data? Um, how are you practicing? And then maybe a failure, practice again. Um, so you iterate um, to, to work your way up. The C in Epic is how do you collaborate with others? You know, somebody else has done this, what you're thinking about, somebody else has done it before. Maybe not the exact same thing, but something similar. I mean, you, you think about, we're trying to put a man or a woman on Mars right now. Yeah. And we haven't, we haven't done that, but what we have done is we've put someone on the moon or we've put a, you know, a rover on Mars. So how do you learn from those people that have been successful ahead of you or even those people who have failed? Um, so that's the collaborate. So that's epic. And then the last one is how do you go out and perform it? 
you know, eventually you have to stand at the start line in order to work to your way to the finish line. And that's what perform is about. It's like, it's persevering through those difficult times. And then when you get to that finish line, how do you think even higher? So, so that's the framework of epic performance. Awesome. I, I love it. Um, and it's so interesting because I think people don't realize something that something that, I mean, a lot of what you said stuck with me, but the one thing that really hit me was collaborating, even with people who may have tried and, and failed. And I think so many people don't realize the value in those sorts of conversations. Yeah, but they're, they're huge. I mean, every time, I set out on something big, whether it's for work, whether it's for personal, I try to find somebody that has gone ahead of me. Um, and, and there is always somebody that's gone ahead of you and learn from them. What did, what did they do really well? What are the things that they wished they would have asked themselves before they started? And, and those are just invaluable resources. And it doesn't mean you have to do everything they say but it's taking that information in, learning, and then deciding, okay, now what am I gonna do? How might my situation be a little bit different? Cause it may be. And then adjusting your plan. But I, I, you know, I, I look at it with that collaborate is, you should have some people that can help you with the, 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 what you're trying to do. But then also is, who are those key advisors, those kind of mentors that you surround yourself long-term that help can kind of help keeping you thinking about those, those big ideas. So, so two different types of groups, those people that, that kind of stay with you, that mentor you longer term, and then those people you rely on for a specific activity or a specific project. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And so what's the ultimate goal of the framework? The, the ultimate goal is to be able to think a little bit bigger and figure out how to get there and uh -huh. and where that where that came diane so you, you mentioned in my bio about a 300 mile bike ride that yeah. that i had done so i had wanted to push myself and see if i could push myself to where those limit where my limits were of my mind and my body and i've always been a cyclist i you know i've done as you mentioned i cycled across the us i've cycled down can from canada a couple times and i live in the san francisco bay area and and i've done i did a bunch of a 100 and 200 mile bike rides and i thought what i, I want to be able to ride 24 hours through the night. So kind of, you know, you get up at, you, you start at five in the morning and you go all the way through the night and you end at five in, in the evening. And I figured it was about 300 miles. And, and I thought that might be the thing that pushes my mind and my body to the limit. And, and I say mind and body because, you know, a lot of these ultra distance events, they are physical. There's no doubt about it. But the difference between those people that make it to the finish line and the, the, then don't, it's, it's often because of the mental part. It's that ability to mm. keep moving. And, and I thought this 300 mile bike ride might be that thing that pushes me to my limit. And, and, and as I was going through, you know, I got to mile 275. So only 25 miles left. I can see the finish line. Earlier in the day, I had seen somebody die um, or dead on the side of the road because of a, a, another bike ride that was going on. I had collided with somebody um, with a, a bike and I needed a new front wheel. And so it, it was challenging. There's no doubt yeah. about it. But, you know, 25 miles till the finish line, I, I could see the finish line. And I thought, you know, 
I didn't reach my limit. I, I thought I would before I started, but I never did. And it got me thinking, Diane, that, you know, sometimes we put these limits in our head huh. and, and often they hold us back from going further. And so, you know, that got me involved in other things. I started doing running. Um, I did a hundred, you know, I did, you know, did the marathon. I did 50 milers. I did a hundred miler. And then I did this 200 mile run and it made me realize that, you know, we put these limits in our head and sometimes they can hold us back. So how can we push ourselves just a little bit further? You know, I, I'm not saying everybody should go out and do a 200 mile run, <laughs> But if you think, you know, I, I was working with somebody who they thought their limit was was going to be a half marathon. And I, I was I was talking to them and they did it. And I just got a note from them the other day that they said they're signing up for their next one. <laughs> so it's figure out you know, where you think your limit is. And then, you know, you can probably go a little bit further. I just think that is so great. And, and so. I feel like this then takes the energy away from the limits and just really focuses on, you know, the framework, right? So you don't have to think about all those limiting beliefs that that you have. You just focus on the iterate, you know, the doing, the performing and all that and see where it gets you. Yeah. And, and we do have, I mean, we, I'm not saying we don't have limits because we do have limits. Yeah. Um, the, the ability for me to go out and win an Olympic gold medal in, uh, in running is, is probably beyond, beyond the, my, my time frame as I reach my mid fifties, but it's finding it's, so there is a point where you kind of have to look, look at some of the limits but I'm saying test them a little bit uh -huh. and, and, and then figure out what may be holding you back. What are some of those fears or what are some of those excuses you take that you tell yourself? I mean, how many times have we said something like, oh, I'm too old for that, or I don't yeah. have enough time, or I don't have enough money. And, and in reality, you know, yeah, some, you know, you get to a certain age and, and your body doesn't work the same way it did at, at 20, but you can still do a lot. Um, and so how do you try to get rid of some of those excuses? I, you know, in the book, I talk about, you know, how, how we have all these excuses. I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm you know too fat. I, I, I'm, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. And, and I look at it. It's like, do you want to do it? Cause that's, you know, if, if there's something you really want, if you can, you know, I, I've had people talk to me about, you know, the marathon to use that. And they say, you know, I, I couldn't do a marathon. I said, ah, chances are you can. I said, but do you want to? Ah. And and if you tell me you don't want to, I get that. Go on and do something different. Right. But if you want to, you know, chances are you could. Yeah, I mean, you, right. So that's that's that thing. It's it's do you want it and do you want it bad enough? And that's gonna that's gonna differentiate those people that really go go hard and go after Absolutely. those big goals. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. And now a word from our sponsor. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analyst Celeste Schifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. 
And what better way to dive into these mechanics and hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzoir, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information. Somebody isn't showing up when they're supposed to? Talk to Bambi. Unsure how to deal with remote workers changing locations? Talk to Bambi. Getting complaints from employees about each other? You know what? You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, you get access to your own dedicated HR manager. These HR managers are all U.S.-based and are dedicated to your business. So you have consistent access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi helps small business owners protect their business and gain HR peace of mind. HR issues are more complex than ever. Let Bambi help you with yours and with those employment nuisances Across all 50 states, HR managers can easily cost 80 grand a year, but Bambi starts at only $99 a month. So what are you waiting for? Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now and type in AYBG under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Spelled BAMBEE.com, Bambi.com, and type in AYBG. So, okay, so let's talk about goals. So, because clear goals are really an essential part of, of this. So, what advice do you have for someone setting goals like for the first time? First of all, you got to be clear. You know, you gotta you gotta write them down, and you gotta really be clear on what that goal is. And so, you know, I'm I'm a big proponent of the smart goals, where you know, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time bound. We've seen that for years. You know, we've all all read about it, and it's pretty basic, but it works. Um, I 
what I try to do is get somebody to see what that goal looks like. You have them vision it, envision it in their head, and then envision how they're going to feel when they finish line, when they finish it. Um, And and that gives you, and and that goal should have some emotional connection. You know, it it, it should, it it should kind of pull at you. I, I, I will tell you, you know, when I was training for the 200 mile run around Lake Tahoe, and it's one of the, the biggest lakes in the, um, it's, it's the highest, it's the biggest, highest elevation lake. Um, and if you were just to drive around the lake, it's 72 miles. It's, so it doesn't compare to some of the great, the great lakes, but it's all at elevation. So it's, it's at 6,000 feet in elevation and to run around it, the trail, you know, it's, it's a dirt trail. Um, it's 200 miles that we did or that I did. And, and I, I had to envision what it was going to be like finishing it. And so in my head, mm. I crossed the finish line. I, you know, I, I use visual visualization a lot. I crossed that finish line hundreds of times before, um, in my head, before I did it in, in, on, on race day or race weekend, I should say. So you got to be able to see that if there's an emotional connection that makes a big deal. Um, I was, you know, I had interviewed 100 people for for the book, and they were across between executives and endurance athletes, or in some case, both. And one of the guys I spoke to, he was president of his company, but he also was an Ironman. And we were talking about when he was training for Ironman and, and, and Ironman, you, you, you gotta, you, you gotta train a lot. It's a, you know, it's a, almost a two and a half mile swim. It's a over a hundred mile bike ride. And then it's a marathon and you do that all in one day. Wow. So it's, it's not easy. And, and I was asking him, I said, how do you, how do you keep going? Um, and he goes, you know what? When I was younger, my uncle died um, he kind of died on the couch. He had some back problems and, you know, he couldn't get up as easily and he just got overweight and just eventually died. And he goes, I never wanted that to happen to me. And so that's what keeps me going. I know what my goal is. I know how to keep moving. And so I think about him and I have that, that emotional connection because I don't want it to happen to me. So yeah. those big goals, Diane, you really got to have an emotional connection. You really got to be able to see it and it'll make it easier to, uh, to cross that finish line. I completely agree with that. It really makes a huge difference. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I love that. Um, you talk about the great rejuvenation as your answer to the great resignation. Can you explain that, you know, how rejuvenation plays into what's going on these days in the workforce? Yeah, it's, it, you know, when, when, as we were coming out of COVID or sometime, you know, people were talking about the great resignation and then we've heard about quiet quitting. Yeah. Um, you've heard about engagement and I think there's a lot of similarities between that, between those those areas. It's you know people just aren't aren't excited about what they're doing, yeah. um, and and sometimes the grass is greener on the other side. So you know that's why you see people leaving leaving their company. They're not engaged, and and so part of our job as managers is figure out 
how do we get them engaged? How do we get them excited? Kind of rejuvenate things. It, it, the last couple of years was hard. Yeah. You know, and and I I was I'm a former VP of human resources, and I'm I'm glad I was not in that role. You know, these last couple of years, <laughs> I I talked to my uh, my friends and colleagues who were in that role, and they said it was it was the most challenging couple of years of yeah. their life. Um, so I think part of a part of what we have to do as managers is how do we help people figure out what is important to them. Um, how are we as a company or how are companies figuring out what is, a, you know, they value and what is its purpose? Um, you know, you, you read a lot about kind of the, the, the workforce today and what they want to, they want to have a purpose. Yeah. And, and so how as managers, do we help people find the purpose? Are we clear on what the company's purpose is? And so that's a lot of what the, the vision and vision part of Epic is. It's, you know, defining what your values are. What's important to you? What drives you? What gets you excited? And, and if you can find that and match that with a company that they're aligned, you're going to be much more rejuvenated to, to work um, and to go into, uh, into that office or, or up into your office in your own house. So do, do you, I find that these business leaders the, the ones who are successful and are going to be successful moving forward are the ones who understand that things changed in the past couple of years and that what matters to people changed because of the pandemic and that businesses need to adapt and adjust if they're going to hire and retain good talent. Do you find the same? You know, I, I think what COVID did is put a big spotlight on things. I, I think that that ability to know what's important, that ability to have a purpose has always been there. Um, but maybe it hasn't been it hasn't been shine, shine as bright, um, mm. you know. When, and I've worked with people, you know, I, I do some executive coaching and I've worked with people who've had heart attack and it re it helps them define what their priorities are. Yeah. COVID did the same thing. So it just shined a big light and helped us realize what's important. Um, what it also did is, and this, this is, this is one thing that I, I, I always look to see what's, what the positive of any situation is, yeah. is COVID helped us realize that we can do some things that three or four years ago we said we could never do. And, and the biggest example, and kind of ties into what you were, you were talking about, Diane, the biggest example is, you know, how many CEOs would have said, we can't, we can't have everybody work from home. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You know, how many superintendents of schools would have said, we can't teach kids from home. And, and granted, it was far from optimal. Um, but we did a whole lot of things that we would have said were impossible. Yeah. And, and so I, I love that, that you know, COVID shifted our ability to think that way. So it, it shifted us that way. But I think it kind of it, it really helped shine a light on figure you got to know what your values are and what what your purpose is and and that's why a lot of people have left because they they want to do something different they want to go travel around the world they want to live overseas they want to be closer to their family 
or they some may want to be further away from their family <laughs> after these last couple of years. It's <laughs> a good point. Um, I, I, so I, I completely agree with all that, and yet I am amazed when then these companies turn around and say, "Okay, all's clear, everyone back in the office." Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, wait, why? It's so arbitrary. Yeah, it's, you know, I I would not want to be a a CEO right now because they're trying to figure that out. And, and I don't know, and you see some companies that kind of will say that and because they're testing the waters. And and I don't know if, if the answer has been figured out. Um, There is Mm. some that is lost when you're not all in the same room. Yes. Um, you don't have that same collaborative, that same where you can talk to people. Yeah. Um, you don't have those serendipitous moments where you're walking by and you can just have that conversation that you can't have over Zoom. Right. You, you don't have that ability to brainstorm and really think ideas. I was reading a, uh, I was reading a study a, a, a few months ago about you know, brainstorming on Zoom isn't as effective as in person, but so ideating isn't as effective, but decision making of those ideas can be. Huh. And, and it's because of when you're on Zoom, you're looking at a screen and your brain isn't moving around as much. And so your brain has to focus on looking at the screen. Oh. And huh. so your brain, your brain power is being used in other ways. And so I get where the CEOs are coming from. Um, it's and so it's a challenge, and I don't think we figured it out. And it may be a little while. So I, I don't have the answer to that. And I think you know every CEO and CHRO outs trying to figure out where's that balance. Um, and some companies, some companies have it's like yeah, we're doing everything at home, or some companies it's like we're doing it, doing it here, or doing it in the office. So it's. It is a challenge. There's no doubt about it. It is definitely a challenge. I find that when we have really open conversations about that sort of thing and we pull everyone together and say, okay, let's talk about what is going to be the best way for us to get to goal. Yep. Then you get buy-in from everybody. Yeah. And you have to be willing to try things and then reevaluate and see, okay, what worked about that? What didn't work, if anything, you know, how do we want to continue to work through it? But I find people are a lot more engaged when they feel like they're part of the problem solving. Clearly. Yeah, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you on Diane, Diane on that one. And, and, you know, what you were talking about, it's like, let's try things and fail. And that's what iterate is about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that is, that is iterate. It's, yeah. we're going to try this. And I think if you're open about, you know, we're going to try this, we're going to try it for three months or two months, whatever it is, right? and we're going to evaluate it. And this is how we're going to evaluate it, you know? Um, but some of these things are hard. And, and unfortunately, you know, the reason why working from home, you know, probably didn't take off as much prior to COVID is because you know, we tend to write policies based on one or two people that cause the policy to not work or, yeah. you know, and so you have one or two people that are going to take advantage of working from home and they're not going to you know, put in their time. And you may have, you know, 40 other people that will. But we write that policy based on the one or two. And that's unfortunate for the, the 40. And so the progressive companies will look and say, I'm not going to let that one or two 
define right. how we're going to do it. And you're going to have some, you're going to have some failures, but let's not define kind of how we move forward just on a, a few failures. Well, I think the other reason it happens is because we think we're paying people for their time instead of their results. It's much easier to measure time than results. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, it's hard to measure results because you have to be very clear. It goes back to that yeah. first question you asked me about goals. Um, yeah. You know, it is hard to measure. You know, it's hard to do that well. And, and good managers know how to do it. But you are, you're spot on, Diane. Yeah, it, it, it's a crazy, crazy, you know, I, I'm like you. I would not want to be a CEO these days. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, yeah. people, people often ask, you know, what's the difference between managing, you know, people that work from home and managing people that work in the office. And, and fundamentally, it shouldn't be any different. You know, it's, it's, uh, I, I've had people that have worked remotely, you know, my entire career, and you still should be managing them by setting those goals. You know, we think that if we're managing them in the office and we see them come in, we think they're being productive, but it, they may not be. So, but it goes uh, back yeah, to really being I mean, clear. I goals. hated working in the office. I, I mean, I, I liked it because I like to be around other people, but the thing that I didn't like was anyone could stop by my desk at any time and just start talking to me, <laughs> you know, which was totally disruptive. Uh, so. Yeah, there, there's some of that that's good and some of that is like, I just need to get, I mean, I can get it up a lot done, you know, at work, at working from home. And, and yeah. I, when I worked in, now I run my own business. Um, but when I worked in, in the corporate world, I would generally work one or two days a week from home. And, and I would reserve those days, you know, for one-on-ones with my remote staff, because, you know, I'm, I'm, if I'm in the office, I'm going to be in my office with the door closed and I'm going to be on the phone with them. So I might as well do that from, from my home office. Yeah, right. So, and then I would just reserve it for where I could get some projects done. And, and man, I, I could get more done at home. <laughs> I totally get that. <laughs> so you've worked with and, and you've interviewed a lot of business executives. Is there one thing that you think like all successful business leaders should have in common? Is there anything you notice? Um, I won't say all, but I'll say most, because okay. um, you you know just uh, th this is there are a couple things that I found consistent with most of the people that I talk to, um, and they're very focused, very focused on how they use their time, where they put their capital. Um, they know how to prioritize really mm -hmm. well, so they know what they need to do, but they also know what they don't need to do. Ah. And, and that's the key thing. I mean, we all have 168 hours in the week. It's how we use that 168 hours in the week. I mean, how, how many times have you talked to somebody and says, oh, you know, I don't have enough time to get to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the president of the United States can get to the gym or can go do a workout. Yeah. Um, and, and I would argue that, uh, that he's fairly busy uh, and, and it's <laughs> not even the current, current one, but you know, all, all, most presidents have, you know, have some sort of exercise routine. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would listen to, I think it was the president or the CEO of, um, of Pepsi. And she said it was very important for her to get home and have dinner with her, her uh, family. And so most nights she would, if she wasn't traveling. 
And so that was a priority. Right. So she made it happen. One of the one of the guys that I interviewed, he's a CHRO, um, also a Ironman. And he says, you know, when I have to train for an, my Ironman, he goes, I know I need 12 hours in the week. He goes, I'm not that efficient where I can't find 12 hours. That's yeah. 7% of my week. And so it's really the those people are focused, they're future focused, and they know what they where they need to spend their time and where they not they need to not spend their time. And they're and they're okay with making those decisions. I I wonder, so did you notice anything? This is sort of an odd question, but did you <laughs> notice anything different between like men and women, or was it pretty much the same down the line? I didn't notice a difference. I had about, uh, I think it was about two thirds were men, a third were women. Um, and, you know, uh, very similar in terms of their ability to be focused and knowing what they, they wanted to accomplish. So in, in, in where I was talking, I didn't, didn't notice a, a difference. I, well, I, I, I'm not surprised. And part of the reason I asked the question is because I think, you know, people who, um, are focused and and really interested in achieving very specific goals. Um, uh, it doesn't really matter, you know, a, because a lot of women have a tendency to put their goals on the back burner, mm. you know, it, it, for other people. But it, you know, it's like the CEO of Pepsi saying, "It's really important to me to be home with my family for dinner." And she figures out how to get it done, and it doesn't negatively impact anything else. Right, it's it's a priority. Yeah, and, and so you know whether it was a, a man or a woman, um, I just I just noticed they they were very focused. Yeah, um, they were also very confident, confident in their ability. Not that they didn't. And this was both men and women. Not that they didn't have some imposter syndrome at some point. Sure. <laughs> Um, you know, we all have that, you know, yeah. we all have this is, am I good enough? Or, you know, should I be sitting at this table? Yeah. Um, but there was a high level of confidence that came with, with, uh, everybody that I talked to, but there was also those moments of, Ooh, and, <laughs> and, and that confidence came from smaller successes. You know, confidence right. is something that can be learned and built upon. Yeah. Yeah, I, I call it your starring role that you remind yourself when you accomplish something similar or engaged in the same skill set and did it successfully. And so you I, just I, remind yourself that you've been in this movie, you starred in this movie. I love that. I, I hadn't I, I love that idea, that starring role. Yeah. yeah. No, that's yeah. that's a that's a great a great story, a great analogy. Yeah. It I mean it works for me. Yeah. So um Boy, I'll, I'll tell you what, I have really loved this conversation. The, the book is wonderful. I highly recommend it. Um, Brian, will you share with the listeners, you know, how they can find you, where they can get your book, please? Yeah, you can um, you can get the book on Amazon. It's uh, Epic Performance, Lessons from 100 Executives and Endurance Athletes on Reaching Your Peak. You know, you can connect with me on LinkedIn um, or you can send me an email um, or you go to if you go to my website, it's uh, epic performances 
epicperformances.com and that's E-P-I-C performances with an S.com and that'll give you a, it'll connect you and you can easily connect to me. Great. Okay, wonderful. I will make sure that all of that is in the show notes. And like I said, thank you so much. I, I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate all the concepts behind this framework um, and, and seriously highly recommend uh, your book. So thanks for being here with me. Thank and you, Diane. It's it, just a pleasure chatting with you. You too. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again, on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85, or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters, and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate.